You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit AT&T.com slash hypergig for details. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Monday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Too Much Information is a production of iHeartRadio. everyone, and welcome to Too Much Information, the show that brings you the secret history and little-known facts behind your favorite music, movies, TV shows, and more. We are your twins of trivia, your divorcees of data, <laughs> reporting live from the isolation cabin of information. My name is Jordan Runtog. And I'm Alex Heigl. And, you know, on principle, we don't really cover many remakes on this show, mostly because they're never as good as the original, but this time we'll have to make an exception. Yes, we are talking about 1998's Parent Trap, a remake of the Disney classic from 1961. I loved the original with Haley Mills so much as a kid. I was a big fan of that run of live-action Disney movies from the early 60s when they had stuff like, what, Swiss Family Robinson, Pollyanna, Apple Dumpling Gang. I loved all those. So I was feeling very skeptical when I went into the movie theater in the summer of 1998 to see this new version. And I was so completely, totally Utterly won over by Lindsay Lohan, whose immense star power was apparent to me even as a 10-year-old. Given her recent comeback in the Netflix movie Falling Into Christmas, uh, which shockingly is her first high-profile release since The Canyons in 2013, it seemed fitting to revisit our first introduction to this extremely talented actress. And uh, some of this may be residual guilt on my part. My first job as an entertainment writer out of college was smack in the middle of the Lilo legal drama era, which... Uh, yeah, say that one five times yeah, fast. Oh, yeah. You're calling us a comeback? <laughs> you bold man? You sweet boy? Well, I mean... The- Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> She's been it for years. Uh, yeah, I mean, that whole era yeah. wasn't covered with the degree of sensitivity that it could have been or should have been, like no. it would have been today. So I'm glad she's no. back acting again, seemingly happy and healthy. It's been a long road. Heigl, what do you think of this version of The Parent Trap? Were you as thoroughly charmed by her as a tween boy as I was? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I had a kid sister and... uh this was one of her favorite movies, so I've just always viewed it as like just something I was exposed to uh, at uh, against my will. Um, Much like you're this, doing this episode. <laughs> yeah, I I'm trying to think of what this 
Yeah, I mean, this is 98, so I would have been just coming off like Men in Black and Independence Day and just being very susceptible to like big popcorn blockbuster stuff. And I was just like, this is kid stuff. Fair. Armageddon. Independence (laughs) Day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Jurassic Park. Lost World. Blade. Blade. I think, yeah, actually, you know what that was? You know know what it was? It was Blade. It was absolutely Blade. I was on vacation and we were in a bookstore and my parents would just let me get anything as long as it was a book so i got the novelization of the movie blade Jesus Christ. which taught me how to curse first of all because of the many creative and elastic uses of of the uh, mf word that's that's in that book <laughs> through wesley snipes um, i imagine yeah yeah so 98 was the year of blade for me and then matrix came up after that and uh then what do you want I, game over, man. I'm, I'm, you're 13. I'm, you're not watching Disney movies. Got it. Yeah, I'm. I'm going hard into douche land. <laughs> essentially, <laughs> just like. Well, I was at least thoroughly charmed by Lindsay Lohan and the uh, mm-hmm. 1998 version of The Parent Trap. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're not going to get into the Haley Mills version. That's another tale for another day. So let's dive in. From the future superstars who duped it out with Lindsay Lohan for the lead role, or rather roles, the cutting-edge camera tricks employed to turn Lindsay into twins, and the wild real-life reunion of long-lost twin siblings, to how they came up with that elaborate secret handshake, the crazy twin-centric coincidence involving the actress playing Chessie, yes, Chessie, I thought it was Jessie for years, and all the subtle ways the remake paid tribute to the original, here is everything you didn't know about The Parent Trap starring Lindsay Lohan. The story of Parent Trap 2.0 begins with the mighty Nancy Myers, a brilliant writer and producer who, prior to this, was responsible for Private Benjamin with Goldie Hawn, Father of the Bride mm. Part 1 and 2, as well as the slightly lesser known, to me at least, movie uh, Baby Boom with Diane Keaton and I Love mm. Trouble with Julia Roberts and Nick Nolte, which has mm. been in the news recently because apparently they had a huge falling out as a result of that and they i think julia roberts during press for that in the 90s called nick nolte a disgusting person (laughs) and uh well i mean where is the lie anyway google that i just saw that earlier today but anyway nancy myers the parent trap was her directorial debut and was very much inspired by her two daughters hallie and annie who, it must be said, are not twins. She said that they both used to watch the 1961 version of The Parent Trap religiously. Uh, She said, but when both my girls hit seven years old, the original was on loop in our house all day long, and I found myself falling for this movie all over again. And this gave her the idea to work on an updated version of this beloved classic. And I mentioned that her daughter's names were Hallie and Annie, which should sound familiar because those are the names of the twins in this movie. They're indeed named after writer, director, producing Nancy Meyers' daughters. And they both actually have cameos in the movie. Annie plays a towel girl who brings Elizabeth, the, you know, mom in the movie, the first aid kit at the pool just after Dennis Quaid falls in. And Hallie plays the girl at Camp Walden who asks where the Navajo bunk is. Uh, And Annie also had a bit part in Father of the Bride as the young version of the main character, Annie. And uh, as a goofy bit of Nancy Meyers' universe synergy, there was supposed to be a scene in The Parent Trap where they had a movie night at camp. And they watched Father of the Bride. Uh, Not many people remember this, but Haley Mills actually appeared in not one, but three sequels to The Parent Trap. Hmm. The first was just called The Parent Trap 2, and it was made in 1986 for the then new Disney Channel. And I feel like this movie deserved a lot better because the plot's pretty good. 
one of the twins, I think it's Sharon, is a divorced single mom, and her daughter is trying to set her up with some guy, played by Tom Skerritt. But she refuses to go on a date with this guy, so her daughter contacts her aunt Susan, who's this mom's twin, and talks her, her aunt, into going on dates with this guy while pretending to be her mom, just to prime the romantic pump. I don't know really how they plan so to make like a, the switch. It's like a it's like a Cyrano kind of situation, but with twins. But with twins that and, actually that actually has legs. It's a good plot. Yeah. 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 I don't really understand how are they gonna switch how they're gonna like switch the real Sharon in later on. Mm. But yeah, I guess they didn't get that far. Because the real Sharon gets wind of the scheme and secretly contacts her twin sister Susan's husband. And so they mm. figure out where one of these dates are gonna be and they show up with Sharon in disguise, so she look. So basically, it looks like Susan's husband is on a date with another woman at this restaurant, while Susan is pretending to be her twin sister Sharon on a date with this other guy. I've gone cross-eyed. Yeah, I'm sure you did that as best you could. <laughs> but Susan and Sharon, I know, I know. And, and yeah, so uh, Scarrett, yeah. like I, you know. Now I'm just thinking about Tom Scarrett and Cheers. Oh yeah, it's my happy place I go to. Uh, it's basically a big French farce. I dimly remember it being on TV, but uh, apparently did well enough to make two more made-for-TV sequels with Haley Mills. 1989's Parent Trap 3, and then later that same year, Parent Trap Hawaiian Honeymoon with Barry Bostwick as the apparent mm. love interest. Uh, and all this is really funny to me because they just unceremoniously dumped the husband from the parent trap too because they hadn't planned to make <laughs> any more sequels after that because Haley Mills had said I don't want to do any more sequels after the parent trap too at this time in the late 80s she was cast in a Disney Channel series called Good Morning Miss Bliss where she played a middle school teacher but it got cancelled on the Disney Channel after one season and then NBC picked it up retooled it ever so slightly and it became saved by the bell <laughs> And they kept huh. most of the same actors, most of the same characters. You had Zach Morris, you had Lisa Turtle, Mr. Belding, Screech. They were all there on the show with Haley Mills, but they got rid of the Haley Mills character, uh, the titular Miss Bliss, because they wanted to focus more on the teens and not the teacher. So all this to say, once the Miss Bliss sitcom gig dried up, I guess Haley Mills was a little bit more willing to do more Parent Trap sequels. Speaking of uh, nothing in particular... Speaking of the younger generation, we get the uh, you, there's save save by the bell. We'll we'll work that in as a segue. Uh, Jamie, can we fix that in post? Um, Scarlett Johansson, Jenna Malone, and Mara Wilson were all considered for the roles of Hallie and Annie. Uh, while they were looking for this lead for this film, Nancy Myers said that she was looking for a little Diane Keaton, which is adorable and uh, makes sense considering Diane Keaton starred in so many of Myers' big hits like Father of the Bride, Baby Boom, and later It's Complicated. Uh, they did casting calls in Boston, Chicago, Minneapolis, Atlanta, Miami, Vancouver, Toronto, and London, as well as open calls in New York and L.A. Ultimately, over 1,500 actors auditioned. Wow. And with a net that wide, you can bet that there were a few future stars in there as well. Casting director Eileen Starger later told Bustle in their epic oral history of this film that the first person she auditioned was Misha Barton just a year off of getting her breakout role in The Sixth Sense, which still terrifies me. I'm feeling much better now. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, no. ah, ah. 
I was uh, at NYU when Haley Joel Osment was there, and uh, she used to come and visit him. Like, I have memories of, like, going into my dorm, and she would be, like, signing in at the security desk and stuff to go up and visit him, which I thought was cute that they were still friends. That is really lovely. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Actress Jenna Malone, your beloved Jenna Malone, later of Contact, Stepmom, and yes, Donnie Darko. Are you just secretly trying to Jenna Malone pill me? <laughs> I'm doing like, oh, she's been popping up in a bunch of these. Uh, she was the first choice to play the twins, which, again, makes sense because she's an excellent actress. But she turned down the role a reported three times. Per 1997 interview with the LA Times, her agent begged her to take on the role and she said no. She had also turned down other big films around the time, such as Volcano and Air Force One, and uh, turned down all this big blockbuster fare to act in stuff like Bastard Out of Carolina and Hidden in America, two movies I am just now hearing of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two movies I am just now hearing of for the first time. Bastard out of Carolina. Uh, and the rest. Other big names that were considered for this dual role. Michelle Trachtenberg. Fresh out of Harriet the Spy in Nickelodeon's Pete and Pete. And she would have been a good fit based solely on the strength of her birthday, which is October 11th, <laughs> the same day as Hallie Nanny's in the film. But, you know, sadly, not strong enough to get her the part. And then, double irony, she went on to play the role of Penny in the Inspector Gadget movie, a role turned down by Lindsay Lohan. You know, there's only so many parts for redheaded actresses out there, kids, and you just got to grab them when they come up. <laughs> uh, Mara Wilson of Matilda, Mrs. Doubtfire, and Miracle on 34th Street. She was deemed too young for the role. Do you know that her cousin is uh, conservative political commentator Ben Shapiro? I guess that explains why her whole thing is just like being like snappy and leftist on Twitter. Yeah, I could see her being too young, but she's, like, arguably the most talented out of all of these. Uh, I don't know. Jenna Malone, too. I mean, they're both very uh, yeah. talented. Yes. No, it's, not, it's not a competition, except that it is. Except that it is, because somebody yeah. got the role. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is also up for consideration, and that bothered her quite a bit, because she really wanted the role. Um, she was getting passed over a lot around the time, I guess. She was talking to Metro UK in 2017. She said, when it came to the parent trap, I started to get bitter. It was hard for me. Wasn't her first role or like one of her first roles in that movie North with Elijah Wood? Don't know that one. Oh, it was like a notorious box office bomb that Rob Reiner did about this kid who emancipates himself and then goes around the world in search of like new parents and just like auditions them basically, like lives with a bunch of different families all over the world and like tries them all out. Weird. Yeah, she would have been 14 when this, 13 or 14 when this was casting, so just a shade too old. Well, this brings us to Lindsay Lohan, who was a relative unknown at the time. She started her career as a child model at the age of three, appearing in advertisements for Calvin Klein Kids, Abercrombie, Pizza Hut, Wendy's, and a Jell-O commercial with Bill Cosby in 1994. <laughs> um, she also reportedly auditioned to play the role of the little girl in Titanic, Cora. Remember from like the scene where, where Leo takes Kate Winslet to go to a real party mm -hmm. and there's like the, the little girl with the curly hair down there? Mm -hmm. Lindsay Lohan auditioned for that part, but James Cameron thought that Lindsay's red hair would confuse people into thinking that her character was related to the characters of Rose and Ruth, who both had red hair. 
I, I James Cameron vastly underestimates the audience's <laughs> intelligence, I guess. And they ultimately cast Alexandra Owens instead. Uh, you know what I was reading about the other day was The Abyss. Oh, James Cameron, yeah. Yeah. Do you know how much of a f***ing nightmare that shoot was? No. Ed Harris was like, he he took like an omerta over that movie. He was like, I've never talked about it and I never will. Like, people were having, like, crying jags on the film and just, like, breaking down on the set constantly. And Why? And because they made them film underwater uh, constantly and in, like, these isolated conditions. And then James Cameron's also just, like, a legendary prick to be around. So it was, like, all of that. It's, like, shooting conditions plus, like, being around him. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Uh, anyway, sorry, I'm derailing this a lot. Go ahead, sorry. Uh, at the age of ten, Lindsay played Alexandra Fowler in the television soap opera Another World, and remained in that role for a year before leaving to star in The Parent Trap. And she faked sick so she could attend the audition. I love that. And her prep for this role was fairly minimal. She later said, "My manager called me and asked if I could do an English accent." And I said, "Yeah, sure." Then I hung up the phone and asked my mom, "What's an English accent?" <laughs> And she was a clear front runner from the start. Nancy Myers later said, there's something electric about this girl. And casting director Eileen Starger added, she was smart, real, fresh, and utterly charming. She was just an ebullient young girl who brought the sun with her. What a beautiful thing to say. Hmm. Nancy Myers called the Lohan family herself to tell Lindsay that she got the role. Uh, it's so cute. There's a special like making of mini doc and 12-year-old Lindsay talks about how she wants to be just like Jodie Foster and go to a good college and act and direct. And this is before Freaky Friday, too. She really... Uh, Got the Jodie Foster thing down. It's crazy how many of her early movies were all remakes. You had The Parent Trap, you had Freaky Friday, and then you had Herbie Reloaded or Herbie, not Herbie Reloaded, Herbie, Herbie Fully, fully Loaded. loaded. Yeah. Terminator Reloaded. <laughs> no, it's The Matrix Reloaded. Matrix Reloaded. Was that the was the sequel. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Herbie, Lock and Load. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really cute. But you know what's less cute? Divorce. <laughs> Lindsay later said that the marriage between her parents, Michael and Dina, was breaking down as they ramped up production for The Parent Trap. And this is a movie about little girls trying to heal the rift in their parents' marriage. So Lindsay funneled a lot of those feelings in her performance, which is heartbreaking and horrifying. She was 11. Uh, yeah, they, well, they, they married in 85, separated once when she was three, and got back together. So they were splitting up for the second time. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Lindsay later said during a cast reunion with Katie Couric in 2020, my parents were kind of separating at the time when this was all going on, and it made it a lot easier for me to play these characters that were figuring it out. I didn't feel like I was working. But luckily, she says she has fond memories of the experience. She said, I just felt so lucky and really blessed by Nancy Myers. Without this movie, I wouldn't have gotten the acting bug. How do you not only want to act for the rest of your life after doing a film like this? It just felt like a really incredible experience for me and a lot of fun. And yeah, this movie was a bit of a Lohan family affair because multiple members of the family had bit parts. You remember the little boy who accidentally gets sent to the all-girls camp and he's like at the bench in the cafeteria frantically calling his mom to get him out of there. And then at the end of the summer, he's tearfully promising his new friends that he'll be back next summer. That's Lindsay's real-life brother, Michael Jr. And the rest of the family can be seen as extras in the scene where Hallie, dressed as Annie, arrives at London's Heathrow Airport and meets Martin the butler and they do their secret handshake. 
More on that soon. In the background, you'll see Lindsay's mom, Dina, and her siblings, Dakota and Aliana, all dressed as travelers. And Allie actually turns around to watch Lindsay in the scene, like basically breaking the fourth wall. It's adorable. Uh, Dina Lohan, I didn't realize, apparently was a a Radio City Rockette earlier in her career. Hmm. Yeah. And Michael Lohan was uh, a shady character. Yeah. I promised myself I wouldn't go down this road in this episode, but just give me this. I guess there was a tabloid TV, Maury Povich adjacent style show where he took a paternity test on air back in like 2012 and revealed that he had a 17 year old daughter that he didn't know about. And then this teen started making all these claims in In Touch magazine that she'd spent $25,000 on surgeries to make her look more like Lindsay. Yeah, and I mean, he worked on Wall Street in the 80s, so it's just like already he's coming in at handicap in the being a good person uh, Olympics. <laughs> Sorry to the to our extensive uh, listeners in the financial sector. <laughs> uh, but everyone involved with this production has universally nice things to say about Lindsay, which is vaguely tragic in retrospect. <laughs> Lisa Ann Walter, who played Chessie the housekeeper for the Napa Valley contingent of the Parent Trap, later told today that Lindsay was, quote, super talented in terms of how to work a set and really, really dear and sweet. Like, please and thank you to everybody. A lot of kid actors don't do that. They act spoiled. They act like they believe what grandma and mom and everybody in their family always tells them, that they were special and they act like it on set. But Lindsay was never like that. When she came in and out of the makeup room, it was always, thank you so much. And she hugged everybody. And she was so grateful for the experience and a delight to be around. I don't know why I love this so much, but apparently when Lindsay wasn't needed for a scene, the director let her call action, which gave her a big thrill. Aw. Yeah, right? Did you know that after uh, moving to California full-time at the start of her acting career, Lindsay shared an apartment with uh, Raven Simone for a while? I did not. Yeah, they met at a Vanity Fair photo shoot. Huh. To be a fly on that wall. Well, how did they do the much-vaunted twin effect in The Parent Trap? It's an effect that's been used in film since way back in the silent era. Uh, In 1898, the illusionist George Méliès, famous for the uh, Smashing Pumpkins video, um, oh, oh yeah, he did the movie, did the the spacecraft. Yeah, the first trip to the, the moon, moon. Yeah, iconic image of the, the yeah the rocket ship that crashes into the man in the moon's eye, and then uh, they did this. They did um, tonight. Tonight is all a rip on that. Um, anyway, he created four moving versions of his head in one frame by using uh, matte shots or basically very primitive green screen technology. And the technology had not become that much more complicated when they shot the original Parent Trap in 61. You shoot the scene twice with the actor and a stand-in, and they switch places in in each version, and then you combine the two strips into one, and then you use elements in the shot, like a door frame or furniture, otherwise furniture or stuff, to uh, kind of disguise that cut that's been made in the physical... Uh, film strip and the camera is locked into place to ensure that that composition is identical i think that was kind of the dominant thing for a long time i mean you see that up through the 80s but it is really dead ringers um the cronenberg movie the cronenberg film starring jeremy oh. irons uh that revolutionized how that they were going to do this and Basically, without getting too, uh, you know, in the weeds for it, rather than using a locked down uh, camera, 
what they ended up doing was putting the camera on a computer controlled track so that it would basically be able to repeat all of its moves perfectly. So that freed them from one thing, which was this whole lockdown static shots is what I want to say. Lock shots, meaning like it's basically like a straight on shot, like very boring, not like very interesting angles and the camera can't move or anything. And it's very, um, just very flat because they were literally just splicing strips of film together. Right. So that is the big shot across the bow of getting this technology improved was just basically getting computers to recreate the camera movements so that they didn't have to use it locked. And on the 1998 version, they built on that technology. They'd shoot the first version with Lindsay as one of the twins, delivering her lines to a stand-in, um, which you do that so that the actress, per- the actor performing can it helps their timing, their eyeline, the blocking. Um, and that double was a girl named Erin Mackey, who would later on be in Wicked and Anything Goes on Broadway. Then they reset the scene. Lindsay would change clothes, switch places, and she wore an earpiece that played the dialogue that she had just recorded as her twin so the timing and inflections would all line up. But as we mentioned, with stuff like Dead Ringers as a precedent, um, by this point in the 90s, they have this motion control technology where you shoot your first pass, the computer learns what you've done with the camera movements, and then just repeats it perfectly so then there's no human error you know this this software that they have by this point can replicate that camera movement down to a thousandth of an inch and they brought in my boy dean cundy i was waiting for you to get to that (laughs) john carpenter's first collaborator you know he's in he's who framed roger rabbit back to the future apollo 13 jurassic park he's an effects legend yeah he does all these does all these tricky effects shots in parent trap dean cundy's my boy but, you know, there are still problems. It's evolving technology. By way of illustration, uh, for some of the scenes that are shot outside, it's easy to tell that Lindsay's playing both twins because their shadows are different because of the sun. But this is obviously like an incredibly painstaking process, especially with a child star and that mandated that she act every scene twice perfectly. Um, and, you know, they kind of had to make their own fun on the set to get through this. Uh, the actresses who were played the evil Meredith Blake and Chessie loyal housekeeper for Hallie and Annie's dad really bonded over all this downtime and they actually became best friends and remain so to this day. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Lisa Ann Walters who played Chessie later said part of the reason we became best friends on that set is we spent a lot of time creating fun for ourselves back in the trailers while we waited for setups to happen. But poor Lindsay did not make it easy on herself. Also, she was not the beneficiary of all these free times because all the extra setups were just for her. But she made it hard on herself, particularly because of her choice of nail polish. During an interview with Vogue in April 2022, she said, I was so strong on the fact that I had to wear nail polish as Hallie and it had to be the blue hard candy. So what that meant was that this would have to be painstakingly removed and reapplied every time she had to switch to playing the other twin, which she said made things, quote, a nightmare for everybody in a presaging of her later career. (laughs) Sorry. As you meditate on that, we'll be right back with more Too Much Information after these messages. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. 
Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. I just want to take a quick history break right here. We don't want to get into the Haley Mills version because as we said, that's a whole nother episode. But I didn't realize that The Parent Trap is actually based on a 1949 book by the German children's author, Eric Kastner, called Lisa and Lottie. Hmm. And the author had actually developed it during World War II as a potential movie, but the Nazi authorities refused to let him work because he was a pacifist and openly opposed the Nazi party. He'd been interrogated by the Gestapo on numerous occasions, and his books were subject to the famous Nazi book burnings. To be honest, I don't know why he wasn't just killed outright, but apparently just before Berlin fell at the end of the war in 1945, he received a tip that the SS planned to come to his house and kill him and other Nazi opponents, so he skipped town, pretending to location scout for a non-existent film. That was his cover story. So uh, that's all crazy. The guy who wrote the story for The Parent Trap. In addition to the Disney versions of The Parent Trap, Eric Kastner's book has been adapted into a 1950 movie in Germany and also a 1995 Iranian movie called Strange Sisters. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, you know, he was nominated for the Nobel Prize in literature. Six times, in- right? Six times. Yeah. That's brutal. Wow, that's that's almost as bad as having the SS after you. <laughs> hey well, from Nazis to youth camps. <laughs> Shooting for the movie began in July 1997, just after Lindsay's 11th birthday, and it went through mid-December 1997. Filming on locations in London, Los Angeles, Napa Valley, and Lake Arrowhead, where they shot the scenes that took place at Camp Walden, which was filmed in a real-life summer camp called Camp Sealy. Hmm. If you big Parent Trap fans and you have little girls who want to go to summer camp, send them there, and then when you pick them up, you can see the real Camp Walden. Um, Lizzie Lohan's allergic to horses, so that's one outdoorsy camp activity that was off limits to her. She's also allergic to blueberries. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Lindsay. That's, that's a good berry. <laughs> Nothing says summer camp like some good old-fashioned gambling, and the scene where the pair of unwitting twins play poker against one another is one of my favorites. They are apparently very good at poker because the odds that they get the hands that they are dealt are astronomically high. Annie gets a straight flush, which has the odds of 72,000 to 1, and Hallie gets a royal flush, which has odds of 650,000 to 1. And the odds of them both getting these hands is around 46.8 billion to 1. That's more poker hands that have been played at all the major casinos on the Las Vegas Strip over the last hundred years. To put that in perspective. Holy Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the odds of winning, just to put this all in perspective here, the odds of winning the lottery are 14 million to one. So, uh, they're good poker players. It's a little sidebar here. One of the little girls at Camp Walden is future Vampire Diary star Kat Graham, making her feature film debut she plays one of annie's camp friends she was supposed to have a bunch of speaking lines but most of them were cut out i think actually all of them are cut out but at least she kept her camp walden t-shirt from the film which she cut up into a fringe on the bottom and beaded as was the fashion of the time apparently (laughs) Uh, she she busted it out for something she filmed for people tv a few years back thus fulfilling the it belongs in museum segment of this show Uh, She was, I guess, so eager to make a good impression on Lindsay Lohan that she studied up on her and learned that she loved Sugar Ray and Hanson. Those were her two favorite bands. So Kat Graham got really into Sugar Ray and Hanson to have something to talk about with her, which is adorable. Uh, To me, the most memorable scene at the camp are the prank wars when Hallie and her friends put goo and water balloons and all sorts of gross stuff in Annie's cabin. The scene where Lindsay Lohan steps barefoot into sticky molasses on the floor was shot about a dozen times because the crew felt that it wasn't sticking between her toes correctly. Twelve times? Was Quentin Tarantino doing close-ups on this day? (laughs) Uh, He's not like a pederast, though. He's just a foot guy with weird racial stuff. Yeah. Okay. It's it's kind of enough, though, right? (laughs) Probably. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> ask Uma Thurman about like her, oh god hurting her neck in uh, yeah yeah one of the Kill Bills yeah. The owners of the camp, known as the Marvas, Marva Culp and her daughter Marva Culp Jr., get caught in the crossfire and have liquid chocolate dumped on their heads. This was, in fact, actual chocolate. In the bustle oral history, they talk about being driven from the set in an open-air golf cart after filming the scene. They said, with the air blowing on us, the chocolate hardened. So by the time we got to the showers, we were like chocolate bunnies. We had to move our limbs and crack the chocolate off. Funnily enough, the younger Marva is played by Maggie Wheeler, who played the character Janice on the show Friends. Which, coincidentally, is one of Lindsay Lohan's favorite shows at the time. And she actually met Matt LeBlanc while filming The Parent Trap and talks about it in the making of behind-the-scenes featurette. And it's so cute. You can tell she, like, really likes him and she's really shy about it. She was, they were asking mm. her about him and he, she was like, he was cool. And you know, it's just really, it's cute. It's on YouTube. You should watch the behind-the-scenes. Well, not you specifically, but... <laughs> uh, Lindsay had to wear a needle in her hair to ensure that the water balloon placed above her bed popped when she stood up. And speaking of needles, this brings us, unfortunately, to the ear-piercing scene. Just the thought of it makes me gag. This is after Annie and Hallie discover that they are, in fact, twins and hatch their scheme to switch places, which requires Annie to have her ears pierced. 
Lindsay Lohan had her ears pierced for this movie for real. Uh, hopefully it wasn't the way that they do it in the film, alone in their camp cabin with a needle and a piece of ice, and if I recall, a piece of apple on the other side of the lobe. Oh, God. Mm. Um, I haven't watched that scene with my eyes open since the first time I saw the movie in theaters in 1998, so I might be getting this wrong. Uh, the scene was ultimately <laughs> cut from both the UK release and the Disney Channel broadcast because they were worried about triggering a rash of unsupervised underaged ear piercings. Do you have an ear pierce? No, I'm just trying to... There's a throwaway line in The Simpsons at one point where they're like... I think it's when Lisa Kudrow's the guest star and, and she's like... Uh, the cool girl comes in, like takes over Lisa's friend group, and they're like, "You." She's like, "You pierce their ears in the bathroom," and and the Lisa Kudrow goes, "Yeah, it's easy. All you need is a thumbtack and a whole lot of paper towels." No, oh. <laughs> I know. So I can't. I can't handle that. Well, in an early draft of the scene, Hallie passes out after sticking the needle through Annie's ears, and she has to be slapped awake by Annie, who says that she's got to do the other one because she can't go through life with just one pierced ear. Oh. Uh, here, speaking of gross bodily operations, this will interest you. In 2007, after she had her appendix taken out, Lindsay Lohan was reportedly so scared that it would end up being sold on eBay that she asked her doctors if she could take her, uh, her appendix home and put it in her fridge. I mean, that's a valid fear. <laughs> Sadly. I think when Ringo Starr had his tonsils out at the height of, uh, Beatlemania, they, like, personally oversaw that it was, like, destroyed in the incinerator for the same concern oh that was the year that she was in uh i know who killed me and uh georgia rule so yeah i don't know if people are really battling over her uh her... <laughs> yeah sorry so let's get on to a lighter topic before i pass out the topic <laughs> of oreos as Annie and Hallie begin the bond in their isolation cabin where they've been placed for their vicious prank wars in order to have them hash out their differences, one of the many things they realize they have in common, aside from the fact that they look exactly the same, <laughs> is that they both like to put peanut butter on Oreos, thus sparking an apparent craze among millennials to try that combo. I never did. Um, I say apparent oh, because... It uh, whips. I did you, that before this movie. We got it somehow for my family. It must have been some... Oreos and peanut butter? Yeah, dude. Wow. Oh, okay. Wow. I I'd never heard of it. Uh, hmm. Never tried it after I saw this movie, but a journalist for Hello Giggles was profoundly affected by this scene and ate Oreos this way with peanut butter for decades. And when the 20th anniversary of The Parent Trap came up, she tracked down Nancy Myers, the writer and director, and asked her where the idea came from. And Nancy Myers' response was, I forgot I even wrote that. I have no idea where I came up with it. I think it was just something weird that both girls would like. It was another example of the fact that they were twins. I made it up for no reason other than it sounded weird and some cute kid would do it. I love that this poor journalist has seen, like, a, in a minor way, a profound effect on her life. And she tracked down this woman in hope of getting an answer of, like, the meaning of this culinary decision in this movie. And the, Nancy Myers was just like, nope, can't help you. Maybe I Mandela the fact this. I, I, maybe she did make it up and we only did it after that. I don't know. I mean, it seems like it can't have possibly been invented in 1998. 86 years, 80, 86 years after the... I'd never heard of it, and I know all sorts of weird regional... Mm. All right, all right, it's fine. Anyway, all this talk of Oreos leads us to the eggs. Easter eggs. Well... <laughs> <laughs> you ever had Oreos and hard-boiled eggs? 
<laughs> How's that for a segue, you rubes? Uh, this leads us to the Easter eggs in the 1998 version of The Parent Trap that pay tribute to the 1961 original. Perhaps the least memorable or impressive is the fact that both movies feature Nabisco product placement in a crucial scene where the twins begin to set aside their differences and bond. In the new movie, it's the Oreo and peanut butter. And in the original, they share Fig Newton, one of the worst cookies in the world, and a sin against God and man alike. But moving down, perhaps the biggest and best throwback to the original is that they got the woman who played the evil girlfriend from the first movie, Vicky, to come back and make a cameo as the mother of Dennis Quaid's evil girlfriend, Meredith Blake. She even tells the girls, you can call me Aunt Vicky. Joanna Barnes was that actress's name, and she was, you think she's the only actor from the original to appear in the 98 remake? I believe so, yeah. Hmm. If I get this yeah. wrong, I'm sure I'll hear, but. <laughs> well, they reportedly reached out to Haley Mills to see if she was interested, but she declined because supposedly she was starring in a touring production of The King and I. <laughs> Opposite Yul Brynner? <laughs> what was he doing? Oh, he was dead. That was after his, like... Ladies and gentlemen, the late Yul Brenner commercial. Oh. Remember, like, the anti-smoking <laughs> yeah. thing? Yeah. Ooh. In another scene, Hallie can be heard singing a brief snippet of the song Let's Get Together as she walks into an elevator before she meets Meredith for the first time. The song was originally performed by the twins in the 1961 version, and clearly she is singing just enough to not have to pay royalties on it. Uh, during the pool scene where Annie meets the evil Meredith, Meredith is on the phone with Reverend Mosby, who is a character of the 1961 film. And speaking of the hotel, in the pool scene, this whole thing goes down at the Stafford Hotel, which is the place where Annie and Hallie's parents have their inadvertent reunion. The Stafford Hotel is named after a boy in the 1961 version who takes Susan to the camp dance in the beginning of the movie when she's still fighting with a girl who's her long-lost sister. It is the scene where the back of her dress gets cut off, uh, which is just a, a cruel thing to do and does not belong in a Disney movie. No. And speaking of the camp, we got to talk about the Marvas, the two camp counselors who run the place. They're named Marva Culp Sr. and Marva Culp Jr. And they are named after the character actress Nancy Culp, who played the camp counselor back in the 1961 films. Fans of the Beverly Hillbillies will, of course, know her as Miss Jane Hathaway, Mr. Drysdale the Banker's secretary. Also, there are bunkhouses called Arapaho in both films. When Hallie is Annie meets her English grandfather, she tells him he smells of pipe tobacco and peppermint. Haley says the exact same thing to her long-lost grandfather in the original. And this is the weirdest one out of all of these. Both movies are two hours and eight minutes long. Wonder if they did that on purpose. That's a hard thing to like arrange, though, right? Yeah. Now, there have been a number of real life instances of long lost twins reuniting after years, and some of their stories are almost as dramatic as the parent trap. Actually, I'm going to amend that. Some of their stories are even more dramatic than the parent trap. So I'd like to do a quick lightning round of some of the most interesting in ascending order of <laughs> crazy slash violation of human rights. Identical twins Jim Lewis and Jim Springer were separated by adoption at four weeks old in 1940 and reunited in 1979. When they met, these two Jims found a number of remarkable similarities. This is per a New York Times article by Edwin Chen. They both married and divorced women named Linda. They both remarried women named Betty. 
Their first sons were both named James. Their sons' middle names were Allen, spelled differently, but still. Both weighed 180 pounds, both worked in law enforcement, both smoked Salem cigarettes and drank Miller Lite, and both bit their fingernails. They both enjoyed woodworking. They both suffered from stress headaches. They both, as children, owned a dog that they named Toy. (laughs) After reuniting, they became involved with the Minnesota Study of Twins Reared Apart Project, which eventually morphed into the Minnesota Twin Family Study, which is reasonably famous. And the purpose of that study is to basically try to answer the developmental question of whether nature or nurture has a bigger effect on children. There's a similar, though less dramatic, instance of two twins who spent four decades apart being reunited in London in the late 80s, both dressed almost exactly the same including wearing almost identical outfits the day they met. They both took their coffee the same, decorated their homes the same way, and both suffered miscarriages that were followed by the births of two boys and then one girl. They also laugh and fold their arms in the same distinctive way, leading to their nickname, the Giggle Twins. Hmm. I feel like that one could have gone back to the drawing board a couple times. Giggle Twins, yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving right along. Anaïs Bordier was a young woman raised in France and studying in the UK when one day in 2012, a friend of hers tells her about an American actress who looks just like her. This actress's name is Samantha Futterman, who was born in South Korea, just like Anaïs, and adopted just like her. She watches these YouTube videos with her and sees that they do look and speak exactly the same. And they have the same birthday. This French woman is sufficiently freaked out and sends this actress a Facebook message. So I don't want to be too Lindsay Lohan, but, uh, well, how to put it, I was wondering where you were born. They have a bunch of Skype calls and meet up in person in London, and their similarities are, like the last example, pretty crazy. They both hate cooked carrots. They, uh... I don't know why I led with that. Led with a better one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, but the two said they share almost everything in common, from painting or not painting in the nails at the same time, and going to the hairdresser on almost the same date. They ultimately did take a DNA test that proved they're related. And uh, Anais told the Guardian in 2015, "We are so similar. She reacts to things the same way I do. We're both awkward and have the same strange sense of humor." She doesn't have to explain herself to me, and she understands me perfectly, too. Jordan, they're talking about us. Oh. <laughs> Their experience formed the basis of the 2014 book, Separated at Birth, a true love story of twin sisters reunited, and a 2015 documentary, Twinsters. Imagine if just, like, I sent you a YouTube clip of somebody who was your long-lost twin just being interviewed. Uh, like, how nuts would that be? I'd have to kill him. That's the difference between men and women. <laughs> Which, you'd, give, you'd give it a thumbs down on YouTube yeah, first. That's, then, well, that's the difference between men and women, is that uh, they, see an opportunity, <laughs> yeah, they see an opportunity to bond. We have to get rid of the competition. <laughs> that's my, it's my, my men's rights uh, spiel <laughs> for this episode. That's why men and women are different. A few years back in 2018, there was a documentary called Three Identical Strangers, which followed the story of triplet brothers, triplet brothers, who were separated at birth in 1961. Apparently as some sort of sinister nature versus nurture psych program study, and they were placed in three separate socioeconomic households on purpose. Over the course of their lives, they were visited by researchers posing as adoption agency officials to check in with them for their study. But they were never told about this experiment or about each other. 
Then, when they were all 19, one of the three enrolled in college, where he soon came face-to-face with his own face. He met one of his brothers, and they quickly realized they were long-lost twins, and the story got news coverage, which then led the third brother to get in contact with them when they saw him on the news. Despite growing up in three different households, the similarities were jaw-dropping, as Kevin Fallon writes in The Daily Beast. They shared the exact same mannerisms, even sitting the same way. They were all wrestlers, liked the same colors, had the same taste in older women, (laughs) and even bought the same brand of cigarettes. Uh, It does have a sad ending, however. I believe one of the brothers died by suicide in the 2000s, and the remaining two brothers have been staunch opponents of these kind of experiments ever since. Um, Because of this resulting controversy, New York State changed its laws to require twins to be raised by the same family, and the results of the study that they were apparently a part of have been embargoed until 2066. Good lord, that is grim. Yeah. Oh, this one's my favorite. I love this one. But this is better. I, we're going. We're I, trending. Oh, the, we're, well, we're trending be- back up. The word. Okay. No. You no. Know, the trend. Yeah. They, they, these get crazier in, in increasing order of. Yeah. These just all get crazier. Tremendous. Uh, this one's out of Colombia. Dates back to June of 2015 involving two sets of identical twins that were born in 1987. The hospital made a mistake and switched two of the brothers, so each family went home with only one of their actual children. Instead of having two sets of identical twins, they were raised as two sets of fraternal twins. Which are the twins that don't look alike. They all lived near one another in the city of Bogota, but didn't know about one another until 2013 when they were 25 years old. And when uh, apparently the friend of one set of brothers had seen the other set out and about, um, I guess they worked at like a butcher shop or something. I don't know. So finally, all four of them meet up in town square one night for the very first time. And one of them later told the BBC of this first meeting, I was scared because there were two people who looked exactly like my brother and me. But at the same time, I didn't know who they were. That's a very on the nose and accurate quote of what that would be like. Um, the story is chronicled the New York Times Magazine story, The Mixed Up Brothers of Bogota, and uh, the new book co-authored by psychologist Nancy Siegel, Accidental Brothers, the story of twins exchanged at birth and the power of nature and nurture. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I have, I have, I, I have reason to believe those men were all prepared to fight each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, town square at night. Yeah, this gets back to what you're saying earlier. If yeah, what do you do if you see like your doppelganger out at night? I'm immediately going to a body snatcher scenario more than like a whimsical long lost twin. Your doppelganger and your brother's doppelganger. Yeah, that's that's when it tips into like body snatchers territory. Just like what government experiment wrought this? Turns out not an experiment at all. Just garden variety incompetence. <laughs> <laughs> The New York, it's uh, a sinister, the sinister machinations <laughs> to uh, to just ruin a set of triplets' lives, and in Colombia, it's just a plain old brain fart on the job. God love them. And finally, you know that thing about how people are supposed to be attracted to people who sort of look like themselves. Uh, buckle up. <laughs> in two thousand eight. A pair of separated twins in England discovered that they'd unwittingly married each other. Each, obviously, had no idea that they had a twin. The marriage was annulled and their identities have never been made public. 
The story only came to light when an English member of parliament revealed it without using their names to show the need for greater transparency in adoptions and more genetic information on birth certificates. Mm-hmm. Seems like a good goal <laughs> to advocate for after that. I mean, the quiet part loud is that, like, <laughs> they had sex with each other, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. They were married for, like, presumably... Yeah. A decent amount of time. Do they have kids? That's got to that be I don't know. sealed. That I don't know. Yeah. We'll never know. Oh, man. And it's going to bother you. I know. It is. <sighs> <laughs> the Parent Trap 4. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> You keep that one or I'm quitting the show. <laughs> that is a, your new high water mark. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more Too Much Information in just a moment. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Well, we should talk about the titular parents in The Parent Trap. Elizabeth James and Nick Parker, they get married on the QE2 Ocean Liner. The person performing the ceremony is actually the film's director-photographer, Dean Cundy, your boy. Yeah. The marriage form that you can see if you pause the movie says that they're married on either January 8th or June 8th, I think January, 1986. And the truly disturbing part is that if you look at this marriage certificate, you see that Nick is 24 years old and Elizabeth is 23. 
which means that when the movie takes place 12 years later, they're just 36 and 35, or in other words, our age. Mm -hmm. The parents from The Parent Trap are our age. That is terrifying. Uh, The wine that they're given for their wedding on the boat, the Where the Dreams Have No End Chardonnay, which Nick supposedly buys every last bottle of because he's an old sentimental so-and-so like that, is actually a real brand that costs about $70 a bottle. Wasn't made until 1987, though, a year after their alleged wedding. Elizabeth James is played by the late, great Natasha Richardson, who has a funny connection to the movie. I knew her as being a member of the famous Redgrave acting family. Her mother, Vanessa Redgrave, was in all sorts of big 60s movies like Blow Up and Camelot with Richard Harris. Uh, But her father was Tony Richardson, who won an Oscar for directing the movie Tom Jones in 1964 with Albert Finney. And his house in real life was on the same street where Natasha Richardson's character lived in The Parent Trap, Edgerton Terrace. Hmm. Isn't that weird? It's in a very upscale part of London called Knightsbridge. According to Time Out London, Edgerton Terrace is Britain's, or was Britain's most expensive street at the time the film was shot in 1997. The house used as a location for the movie is now worth upwards of 19.5 million pounds, or almost $20 million. Uh, Natasha Richardson's character is a wedding dress designer, but in real life, the dresses used in the movie were designed by Vera Wang. Given that this was all a, uh, you know, in the Disney universe, it was surprising to some fans to see Natasha Richardson's character getting deliberately drunk and smoking. (laughs) The last Disney produced movies to include smoking imagery were Ant-Man and Iron Man 3, both of which were released in 2015. Hmm. And now I think they have some kind of a mandate against showing smoking in Disney movies, which makes sense. Uh, Lisa Ann Walter, who played Chessie, later told the Today Show... If you walked by Natasha's trailer, she would swing the door open, and if it was the evening, she'd have a glass of wine and say, come on in for a gossip, and she'd get you to come into her trailer and hang out. She was the sweetest, kindest person. And fortunately, sadly, tragically, Natasha Richardson died in March of 2009 of an epidural hematoma sustained while taking ski lessons. She basically hit her head during a beginner lesson on the bunny slope, and at first she refused any medical help, but complained of a severe headache about two hours after the accident, and she was medevaced to Lenox Hill Hospital in New York City, where she died two days later. Truly horrifying. Uh, She left behind her husband, Liam Neeson, which makes his sad role as the single dad in Love Actually so much sadder, Uh, and her two boys, who were 12 and 13. One of them, Michael, adopted Natasha Richardson's last name in 2019 in tribute to her. Mm. In an interview they gave to the UK's The Times a few years back, he talked about watching some of her old movies, especially The Parent Trap, as a way to remember her. Um, Moving on to the dad, Dennis Quaid. Nearly did not get this part. He plays the part of Nick Parker, the dad, uh, stepping into the shoes of Brian Keith, played the dad in the original one, who uh, coincidentally, or perhaps not... Uh, died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound just as the Parent Trap reboot was beginning its shoot. His Parent Trap co-star, Maureen O'Hara, however, believes it was an accident while he was cleaning his gun collection. Anyway, many, many actors were considered for this part. David Hasselhoff, Richard Gere, Jeff Bridges, Kurt Russell, Patrick Swayze, Pierce Brosnan, Bill Murray, Harrison Ford, Jeff Daniels, Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, Kevin Costner, John Travolta, Mel Gibson, Bill Paxton. Paxton. I, my money's on Paxton. 
Michael Keaton, Jim uh, Carrey. Uh, he would have been huge at the time, but God, can you imagine him mugging his way through this movie? Adam Sandler uh, and Robin Williams, all reportedly considered for this role. Um, I'm kind of surprised my boy Bill Bill Paxton didn't clinch I, I this. I know. Yeah, I know. Wait, Paxton or Pullman? Pa- I saw Paxton. I thought Pullman would be in the running considering uh, Pullman had just done Casper and, 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 or whatever. And, yeah, he's he's done he's done enough of the Oh Disney yeah, Dad Independence roles. Day hadn't come on up. Yeah. Okay. 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 Fine. Feedback accepted. <laughs> um so they went with D- Diet Harrison Ford. They went with Dennis Quaid. Uh sorry for costing us the crucial Dennis Quaid uh fan base. For his role, Dennis Quaid pays tribute to not just the original Parent Trap, but also a few other old-school Hollywood movies. Uh, The moment when he sees his ex-wife Elizabeth for the first time in 11 years is identical to a scene in the 1940 movie, My Favorite Wife, when Cary Grant sees his wife who had gone missing at sea and he had long assumed she was dead. Both men are in an elevator with their current partner, and then as the door closes, they see their ex in the lobby, and they lean to look through the crack in the door as it gets smaller and smaller before they almost fall over. James Garner does the exact same thing in the 1963 movie Move Over Darling, which is a remake of My Favorite Wife. Uh, his character is also named Nick. But uh, Dennis Quaid does a Cary Grant impression in the, following, in the scene following the camping trip with Meredith Blake, which is also a nod to My Favorite Wife. Weird, weird series of movies about dead wives. Well, not, not dead wives, dead. yeah. In 2007, Dennis Quaid actually became the father of two twin boys with his wife, Kimberly. And in the film, Quaid's character, Nick, is engaged to 26-year-old Meredith Blake. And in real life, he married his fourth wife when she was 26 years old. As a result, co-star Elaine Hendricks, who played Blake in The Parent Trap, tweeted, Better watch out for those twins. Well, folks, we can't put it off any longer. We have to talk about the evil Meredith Blake. Her name was chosen, I guess, in reference to a character in an Agatha Christie short story, Five Little Pigs. Actress Elaine Hendricks impressed very early on during casting when she walked into the audition basically looking camera ready in a glamorous outfit that apparently made Dennis Quaid, uh, who was already cast and there to read sides, turn to the casting director and mouth, oh my God. (laughs) So she got the role pretty quickly, and the character's downfall comes during a camping trip with Nick and his twin girls when they proceed to make her life a living hell because she's not really, uh, doesn't really like the outdoors much. But in truth, actress Elaine Hendricks is very different. She told the Today Show, in real life, I'm a total outdoorsy girl. I grew up in East Tennessee in the foothills of the Smoky Mountains, so I love camping. I love animals. If a lizard crawled on my head, I would be thrilled. So all of that was actually (laughs) acting for me. I had to act like I was having trouble walking down a log. I had to act like the backpack was heavy. I had to act like, oh, this is so hard going over the rocks. No, it was all easy. And she's referring to the famous scene when a lizard jumps on her head and crawls into her mouth, which is so, so gross. Uh, The effect was achieved by using three different kinds of lizards, uh, but Elaine Hendricks has been pretty coy about how they pulled it off. She told Bustle, when I was filming, I was sworn to secrecy. I just tell people, listen, it's movie magic. There was a real one, a fake one, and a computer-generated one in there, too. Go back and watch and see what you can figure out. 
And uh, I don't know. You think she'd be willing to share and win people over because people hate her. <laughs> her role in this movie. Uh, yeah. For a while, she was bummed out. She said, there was a while there when I got frustrated that it followed me, meaning this character, but I made peace with it. And now I've so embraced it because it's just so fun. And especially now, after playing all different types of characters, being the villain is really the most fun to do. And there was some viral tweet a few years ago where someone posted a picture of her character and wrote, kids today will never know how much we hated this woman. And I guess she saw the tweet and responded by saying, I will ship every one of you brats off to Switzerland, which is her line in the movie. And that went insanely viral, which is cute. And her friend, her best friend, apparently, Lisa Ann Walter, who played Chessie in the movie, said... Now girls from the connect <laughs> this is this is kind of mean. Now girls from the Kardashian generation are like, "Girl, I hated you when I was young, but now I see you were just trying to land the bag and those kids ruined it." So now she's a role model. <laughs> I, I enjoy I enjoy that reading. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, Lisa and Walter's hilarious. Um I just love that they're friends now. I love that Chessie and Meredith Blake are best friends. They met on the movie during all that downtime, and now they're still tight to this day. And now we got to talk Speaking about of yes, Chessie. Yeah. Now we got to talk about arguably the coolest character in this movie, Chessie the housekeeper. Uh, you thought she was named Jessie though, until researching this podcast. Apparently, she did too. <laughs> uh, yeah, Lisa Ann Walters uh, agreed with you. She's quoted as saying, "I didn't know it was Chessie the first time. It totally sounds like Jessie." And I had to say to the team, what the hell is a Chessie? I don't understand Chessie. There's nobody named Chessie. It's not short for anything. Apparently, it's short for something. It's Nancy Meyers' uh, interior decorator friend. Chess, Chess, Chessica, Chestain, Chess, Chessatore? Chesterette? <laughs> Chestera? Um, she's Chesterical? A <laughs> Chesterical. <laughs> Chesterical pregnancy. Um, <laughs> she is the best character in this movie because she's one of the only people who knows what's going on at all times. She's one of the first people to figure out what's going on with the twin, first people to figure out that they've switched places. And there's a very emotional scene where it finally dawns on her that she's in the presence of this long lost little girl she hadn't seen in a decade. This took several uh, days to film, and by one reported figure, 73 takes. Those are Kubrick numbers. Um, and Lisa Ann Walter was getting really upset that she wasn't nailing it. She basically started questioning all of her professional choices up until that point. She told Bustle, about halfway through all those takes, people were giving me different directions. I started to question what I was doing and thought, oh my God, I'm messing this up. Maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. Maybe I suck. Maybe I'm a terrible actress. Maybe I'm just awful. But then she said that when she took a break from doing the scene, Dennis Quaid put his hands down on either side of me put his forehead against mine and said, I think the work you're doing is magnificent. And I burst into tears. It's just little things like that. I'll never forget how that made me feel. And it probably also helped that she had a big crush on Dennis. <laughs> uh, saying again to Bustle, my whole life I adored Dennis Quaid. Like from the Big Easy era. Not just adored, had a stupid, ridiculous crush on. I didn't know how I was going to get through an audition and not be shaking. But he was super charming and put me at ease. Now, we talked about how Dennis Quaid sort of became his character by marrying a woman who was the same age as Meredith Blake, and then she had twins. Fine. But Lisa Ann Walter's fate was much crazier. 
Two years after the release of The Parent Trap, she gave birth to identical twins born on October 11th, Hallie and Annie's birthday. Sadly, they were boys and not girls, so the prophecy remains unfulfilled. Um, <laughs> but after their birth, I guess she... I know I wrote that, but it somehow seemed yeah. funnier coming from you. After their birth, I guess she jokingly uh, accused Nancy Myers of putting a weird wooju on me. Um, this woman seems great. Yeah, you you go ahead. You take us out on this fact. Yeah, I just she published a memoir in 2011 called The Best Thing About My Ass Is That It's Behind Me. <laughs> Tremendous. Tremendous title. We can't talk about Chessie without talking about her British counterpart and love interest, Annie's beloved butler, Martin. He's played by the actor, oh, uh, <laughs> Simon K-U-N-Z. I gotta be very careful why I pronounce that. Mm. Simon Kunz. Yes, I'll go with that. Kunz. Simon Kunz, who originally auditioned for a much smaller one-line role as a photographer in Elizabeth James's bridal gown studio. But after auditioning, Nancy Myers said, well, there's another probably want you to take a look at and handed him a script. And he basically said, sure, whatever, on the spot and went down to a coffee shop to read it over and realized that it was a much bigger part. Uh, Martin's crowning achievement in this movie comes with the secret handshake that he and Annie do, which becomes a crucial part in how Annie teaches Hallie how to become her. Instead of hiring a choreographer for the scene, Simon Kunz and Lindsay Lohan worked out the 18-move gesture, shake, whatever you want to call it, on their own. Kunz told Bustle in 2018, The first time Lindsay and I met up, we worked on the handshake idea about what it could be. I think I'd done something in the audition, just mucking about without Lindsay there, just doing silly moves. They liked a few of those, and so we basically spent an afternoon, three or four hours really, just working at that routine. And he says that he's forgotten most of it, but he insists that, given about 20 minutes or so to brush up on it, he'd still have it down pat 20-something years later. I never tried any of that. I never tried to learn any of those. I have, don't have the short-term memory for it. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't have the coordination for it. Uh, there's a fun little Easter egg in this uh, with the song that plays whenever they do that handshake. It's an instrumental track called Soulful Strut. Uh, big hit for the group. Young Holt Unlimited back in 1968. But the song is actually just the backing track from another song by Barbara Acklin called Am I the Same Girl? Where they just pulled her vocal track from it and released it as an instrumental single with a piano solo on it under a different title. God, the mid-century music industry was just the best. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know why to this day. I don't know why that happened. Ah, uh, the music industry. What do they say? What does Horace Thompson say? A cruel and shallow trench where uh, good men die like dogs and the rats <laughs> get fat. And there's also a negative side. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, and so it's a bit of an in-universe Easter egg because there's a song called Am I the Same Girl playing at a crucial point in the parrot trap when this, the whole thing about the same girl, you see where I'm going with this. Somebody she's not, yeah. The movie also opens with L-O-V-E by Nat King Cole playing over the wedding on the QE2 ocean liner and closes with This Will Be an Everlasting Love by his daughter Natalie Cole during Nick and Elizabeth's second wedding. Just a cute little bookend. And Jordan, take it away. Give us that Beatles reference that I know you, you've been <laughs> clamoring to get to. Yes. You son of a bitch. <laughs> 
I couldn't live with myself if I didn't shut out the Beatles connection in this movie. When Elizabeth takes Hallie as Annie in disguise as Annie to her photography shoot, they walk across the crosswalk just like the Beatles did on the cover of Abbey Road while Here Comes the Sun plays. That's a song off Abbey Road. That's actually shot at the same crosswalk and they have cars, the same type of cars, parked in exactly the same way in the background. It's really spot on. And I've heard rumors that as the Parent Trap was filming the scene at Abbey Road in London, Paul McCartney was in the studio, like just out of camera shot, working uh, on um, his newly composed symphonic poem, Standing Stone, prior to its premiere at the Royal Albert Hall. Hmm. Did you know that Lindsay Lohan was on a late era Duran Duran album? No. She was on the the song Dance-a-Phobia on the 2015 album Paper Gods, which featured a speaking part from her. Is... Is it is it good? No. Oh, okay. No. Cool. I was about to have to reconsider some things there. There was another scene that was supposed to take place in London after Hallie, as Annie, arrives at Heathrow Airport and the limo takes her home to meet her mother. In the original cut, before they go home, they visit Buckingham Palace, where Lindsay Lohan's character messes with one of the palace guards trying to get him to move. You know, they're instructed not to move or react. And while she's there messing with the guard, the gate at the palace opens, and the queen, R.I.P., drives out, and they have a quick conversation. And it's actually really cute. Hallie gets flustered and forgets the difference between your highness and your majesty, and she forgets to curtsy. But the queen's very nice and tells her not to worry about it, and that she wouldn't tell a soul. Uh, it doesn't really translate well to be described, but it's adorable. And the funniest part is that the woman who plays the queen basically made a career out of playing the queen in comedies. Her name is Jeanette Charles, and she turned 95 years old a few weeks back. Uh, she played the queen in seven movies, including this deleted scene in The Parent Trap, National Lampoon's European Vacation, Austin Powers' Gold Member, Naked Gun, hmm. and the Ruddles TV special, as well as hmm. a 1977 episode of Saturday Night Live. Hmm. Yeah. That's an impressive run there, playing the queen for several decades. Director Nancy Myers, I guess, went through hell and back trying to find the right person to play the queen, the right uniforms for the guards, and a good location to shoot that resembled Buckingham Palace, because obviously the royal family weren't going to allow them to shoot there. But ultimately, she cut the scene because she felt it slowed down the pacing of the movie, which is fair. She'd come mm-hmm. all that way to see her mom for the first time since she was a baby, and now she's taking a tourist pit stop at Buckingham Palace for an irrelevant two-minute sequence that really wasn't all that funny. So yeah, good thing they cut it. There was also a lost ending to the movie, or at least a few lines of dialogue. After their parents get back together at the end of the movie and everyone's about to live happily ever after, it occurs to both twins that they need to figure out where they're actually going to live. Hallie turns to Annie and says, you guys are going to love living in California. And surprised, Annie replies, California? You guys are going to love living in London. And then camera pans off to show the front yard where their dog Sammy is barking at a neighborhood poodle. Chessie and Martin kiss. And everyone uh, has a partner, I guess. Even the dog. And lastly, it was added to the Library of Congress (laughs) National... No, was it really? No. (laughs) Parent Trap was released in the United States on July 29th, 1998 and was a box office hit, grossing $92.1 million against a $15 million budget. The film ranked second at the box office behind Saving Private Ryan. Uh, Received positive reviews from critics, with Lowen's performance in particular earning high praise. Film critic Kenneth Turin called her 
the soul of this film as much as Haley Mills was in the original. She's more adept than her predecessor, creating two distinct personalities. That's true. And as of 2019, Disney is reportedly considering rebooting The Parent Trap for its streaming service, Disney Plus, which is a dumb thing. Uh, but but who's going to stop them? Because they've got all the marbles at this point. You're going to do it? <laughs> Elon Musk going to buy Disney and do it? Nope. They're going to do what they want, and you can't stop them. Uh, so let's leave it there. <laughs> you know, I'm hard-pressed to name a more universally beloved remake, and... Uh, Hell, you more universally beloved kids movie in general. A beloved remake of a kids movie, please. There are better remakes. Name a beloved remake that The Thing. Oh. Okay. Name another one. The Departed. Oh. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want me to keep going? (laughs) All right, fine. (laughs) Well, I'll give the last word to Lindsay Lohan because damn it, she deserves it. She told Katie Couric in 2020. The Parent Trap is beautiful, it's timeless, and it's special. It's really special. I feel really blessed and really grateful to have been a part of it. The Fly. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) Tell them who you are. I'm Alex Zygo. And I'm Jordan Runtog. We'll catch you next time. Too Much Information was a production of iHeartRadio. The show's executive producers are Noel Brown and Jordan Runtog. The show's supervising producer is Michael Alder June. The show was researched, written, and hosted by Jordan Runtog and Alex Heigl. With original music by Seth Applebaum and the Ghost Funk Orchestra. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. (sighs) Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Monday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. 